We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready? Down! Put, 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 put! This is the Bear Report Podcast. With Zach Pearson, Zach Pearson, and Aaron Lemming, Aaron Lemming, providing extensive coverage of the Chicago Bears. Go Bears! Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Pearson and Aaron Lemming. What's up, Bears fans? Welcome to another edition of the Bear Report podcast. And week 13 brought us another loss. Oh, week 14 brought us another loss for the Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers as they now fall to four and nine on the season. And it truly was a tale of two halves. We're going to break down that game a little bit, the continuous struggles of the Chicago Bears. And then we're going to be joined by a special guest, Eric Thompson, who covers the Minnesota Vikings for the Daily Norseman. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He'll be here to break down everything Vikings as we get set here for week 15 and a Monday night football game uh, between the Vikings and Bears. But before we do all that, though, I got to bring in my co-host, Aaron Lemming. And Aaron, welcome into the show. Um, yeah, man, same old, same old with the Bears. That, that's kind of all I could say. Yeah, um, it, you know, I will say this, though. I mean, they gave us a pretty entertaining first 30 minutes of the game. That was – I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting more of what we saw uh, – what was that? I guess it was last year, right, when they when they, they were on the, in the midst of that, that six-game losing streak that they had, and they just got blown the hell out on national television against the Packers in the, in the middle of that losing streak. And that was more of what I was expecting. Um, but, 
you know, really what this comes down to is it goes to show that for as well as the Bears played in that first half, uh, for as many things that went right for them in that first half, they only had a six-point lead going into the half. And coming out into the third quarter in the first five minutes of the game, they gave up 14 points and that lead was gone and they never saw it again. So I think, you know, obviously, you know, I've, I've wrote about this and kind of talked about it as well. That was probably the best half of football I've seen the Bears play in quite a while. Um, you know, obviously, you know, there were some heroics last year. They really haven't played very well at all this year, even when they won games like against the Raiders. I mean, it was just because the Raiders didn't look good. The Bears didn't look good either, but they they look like the better of the two teams. You know, it's like there's been a lot of games. You know, well, not a lot. I mean, they've only won four games. But the four games that they've won this year, none of them have been impressive. You know, like so the, that half of football was at least impressive, but I also think it kind of goes to show – just how far of a talent disparity, a coaching disparity, and an overall organizational disparity that is between the Packers and the Bears right now. And it's really unfortunate because if you go back four or five years ago, the Bears had the all-time lead in terms of, you know, the, the you know, head-to-head versus the Packers. They had the, you know, the lead in that series, I guess you could say. And obviously since, uh, since Aaron Rodgers is, is become the quarterback, he's now 23 and five against the bears. And I, I don't really know what else there is to say at this point, outside of the fact that, you know, it's just, it's, it's not going well. Um, uh, you know, I guess, unfortunately in some ways it wasn't a blowout loss, so we didn't see any changes week, but you know, I guess at the same time, it's also kind of nice because they didn't have that, you know, quote unquote signature win against a rival and all of a sudden you start second guessing, you know, I think Matt Nagy again is gone regardless, but then you start maybe second guessing or have a reason for uh, Ryan Pace to stick around. So I guess there's some good to go with the bad, but yeah, man, this is just, it's, it's getting really tough point in the season to watch. Yeah, man, that game, it, it just, it was a tale of two halves. Like you said, we'll always have that first half where they scored 27 on the Packers, uh, took a six point lead into halftime you know, Matt Nagy was having a bunch of fun, he said, per the broadcast. And then just like that, within literally, you know, 20 minutes, like 20 minutes of actual time and probably what, like five minutes of game time. It was just all over like that. One screen bay marched right down the field, ran the ball with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and, you know, used kind of Devontae Adams in the slot, moved him around a little bit and then got the touchdown, got the big turnover, and they got another touchdown on the next play. It was just, it was over. I mean, it was just a tale of two halves. It was a tale of two teams, one that's, you know, coached very well and that made adjustments and one that, you know, looked like a coach that was clueless out there and knows he's pretty much going to be fired because there was some just odd stuff during the game and after the game um, in terms of decisions and the stuff that Matt Nagy said that, you know, kind of just, it's just mind boggling to me. And I guess, you know, we can kind of start there. You're down 11 in the fourth quarter. Well, first, I mean, let's, let's be clear. Matt Nagy and the bears made no adjustment to the second half. There was nothing there that showed me that this team made any adjustments to, to put their players in a position to win and succeed in this game. I mean, you have a rookie tackle and Tevin Jenkins getting majority of the snaps because Jason Peters left. And they really didn't help him all too much. You know, they left him one-on-one with Preston Smith. Um, you know, I think it's cut. Tevin Jenkins looks like a better run blocker right now than he does a, as a pass blocker, but that's expected. He's a rookie. So you got to at least see him, but 
you know, that second half, that fourth and 11 or fourth and inches, you're down 11, you know, there's what, 11 minutes left in the game. And you literally have nothing to lose at your own 37. It's QB sneak territory. You should be able to get this, even with a quarterback that has some, you know, bad ribs. And Matt Nagy opts to punt and then watches Aaron Rodgers pretty much milk off seven, eight minutes off the clock. Now, I, I don't know, Aaron, maybe it's just me. And I'm not the brightest guy in the room all the time, or, you know, I'm not the most knowledgeable football guy, you know, of everyone else. And there's a lot more smarter people than me, but I think it's pretty obvious. Like you're down two scores. You need a touchdown, a two point conversion, a stop. Well, first you need a stop, a touchdown, two point conversion, a stop, and then an, either a field goal or another touchdown, depending on what you do. So you need two scores, two stops. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Not going for it there. And then what's even crazier is the next day on Monday, when he meets the media, he pretty much, you know, admits, yeah, I, I was wrong. I wish I would have gone for it there. Well, no, duh, no, duh, Matt. Everyone saw this coming. Like, it's crazy to me, and then this is the type of stuff that it just proves he's not a good head coach. He's not ready to be a good head coach because, you know, I thought him giving up the play calling duties would allow him to pay attention to the critical in-game situations and moments, and that just hasn't happened. He's had two major blunders in the past couple of weeks, you know, with the going for two and not being able to figure it out and taking the, the timeout and, and all that stuff in a couple of games ago. And now to this, it's like, you have to be smarter in your end game stuff. And that was just an absolute, you know, nightmare of a scenario for the bears, because you knew damn well, Aaron Rodgers was not letting the bears get the football back. Well, and, and that kind of goes, it just, you know, man, it, it's just one of those things where again, uh, we, and we've talked about this so extensively, but it just kind of comes down to the fact that, you know, Matt Nagy stepped in to this team in 2018 and as introductory press conference talked about how he wanted to be an aggressive head coach and how that was in his DNA, blah, blah. Well, we've seen the contrary multiple times. And, you know, this is something I think a lot of us talked about because let's just go back and look, um, you know, and just kind of rewind a little bit. Right. So the last, I'm just going to count out some of these drives leading up to, uh, when Matt Nagy decided that he was going to punt the ball in fourth and inches from the 37 yard line, uh, down 11 points in the fourth quarter. Right. So, you know, j- just to kind of give you an idea, the bears were up 10, nothing. And then all of a sudden the Packers had two, you know, two punting situations and all of a sudden they go touchdown. They had one punt and that was the punt that, uh, um, Jakeem Grant took back for a touchdown. And you had a touchdown before the half, a touchdown coming out of the half another touchdown after the fumble from Justin Fields, right? Then they had a field goal and then they had one punt and that's when the bears got the ball back. They had a a chance to flip the momentum at that point. It was 38 to 27 early in the fourth quarter, the bears, what do they do? They decide that they're going to punt from the 36 yard line. And that's that, I guess that's my issue. Okay. Right. But it's not even just that because you're down 11 points. You have absolutely nothing to lose. You're four and eight. Let's just be honest here. I don't care what any of the coaching staff said going into this game. The Bears had absolutely nothing to lose. I don't care if they weren't eliminated from the playoffs at that very moment or if they still aren't. They had absolutely nothing to lose. They're not making the playoffs. There's nothing to save face. Go for it. Be aggressive. We see it all the time with guys that know they're on their way out or they know they're in a lost season, but the Bears don't do that. I mean, every it's just it's crazy. But then you fast forward to later on in the game. 
and you've got a situation where the Bears are facing a fourth down situation with a minute 30 on the clock down 18 points. The game is over. You're trying to build something with the offense, something with Justin Fields. You talk all the time about how you need to turn field goals into touchdowns and that you need to turn dead drives into touchdowns and that touchdowns have to be the most important part of the offense. And what do they do? They kick a field goal down 18 points with a minute 30 left to go in the game. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but there is absolutely zero way that you can convince me that Matt Nagy was simply saying, yeah, well, we're going to need a field goal at some point, so we might as well kick it here. That's, 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 that's just BS. There's just no way. There was a minute 30 left in the game. The Bears' offense had not scored any points in the second half up to that point. After scoring 27 points in the first half, they had zero points going into the final minute 30 of the game down 18 points. And Matt Nagy decides that he's going to kick a field goal. And it's like some people want to justify by saying, well, they got the onside kick. Who cares if they got the onside kick? We saw what happened. They got the onside kick. They couldn't even go down and do anything. So, you know, it, it's just it, the, the thought process does not make any sense. You can't be conservative and basically punt away the game because that's the other issue with that pun is the fact that they were in a fourth and inches situation where they really needed points. They really needed to go down and do something and control the clock a little bit offensively. They punt the ball. What does Aaron Rodgers do? He takes him down, uh, you know, an eight minute drive scores a touchdown ball game. That's it. That's it. It's over. But that's the thing is that Matt Nagy has done this. He's a coward coach. That's just all there is to it. And it's just, it's to that point where we know who he is. He can sit there and talk about BU and, you know, he's an aggressive minded coach and blah, blah, blah. He's an offensive minded coach. Well, the reality of it is, I think if anything right now, Matt Nagy's having an identity crisis and the whole BU is trying to talk himself into somebody that he's not. And I think that's really what this comes down to. And what we've seen, it's just, there are so many plays throughout each game where you can sit here and you can look at Matt Nagy and say, dude, you gave up play calling. And yet, Somehow your in-game coaching, your in-game decision-making, your lack of awareness in general has somehow gotten worse. I don't understand it. And especially in a game, okay, cool. You're four and eight. You have nothing to lose. It is what it is. If anything, you go for it and you, you try to win the game off of pure pride that, you know, beating the Packers is at least something to hold on to at the end of the year. Even if they don't win a game for the rest of the season, you beat the Packers, you go into the off season five and 12, you can at least say, Hey, we beat the number one team in the NFC, but what do they do? They get conservative again. And it's just another, it's just more of the same, man. And it's just, it's so frustrating that they had such an inspired first half of football. And I think that that, that kind of brings up another point, right? Is that when you watch this team in the first half, you see that they have not given up on Matt Nagy. They have not given up on the team. There are certain players, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, who have clearly given up. They've checked out. They know they're going to be out of Chicago and now four games, and they're just basically going through the motions. But there are a lot of guys on the team right now who are still invested in this team and invested in trying to win games. And I think that's at least worth noting for the fact that for as much as people want to, you know, go back to the Trestman era and the, you know, the, the Trestman and the, and the Phil Emery era and talk about how, you know, things completely fell apart and that Matt Nagy's, you know, somehow this is the same situation and Matt Nagy's lost the locker room. There's no way there are clearly players who disagree with him, which happens anytime, any place, regardless if you're winning or losing, there's no debate about that but he's clearly not lost the locker room. And, he, and, and I think 
more importantly for this roster moving forward, you know, for the guys who are going to be on it, David Montgomery, Roquan Smith, probably, uh, you know, Robert Quinn at this point, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson, guys like that. I think that you can at least take away the fact that they still care and that there's still a pretty quality culture going on within the locker room that you at least have to build on because that is not something that they had coming out of the Mark Trestman era and moving into the John Fox and Ryan Pace era. So I think if anything, you can take away at least some positives from that. But I think, again, man, this is just another confirmation that Matt Nagy is not the guy. Uh, This is just another confirmation that Ryan Pace, the general manager of this team, who has been here for seven years and has rebuilt this team and has basically had one year's worth of contention out of the rebuilt roster that he's had, has terrible depth. And in the, the talent disparity within this team, versus a team at the top of their own division and the top of their own conference and the top of the the NFL is so vastly different and so vastly that much smaller that even with a great first half of football and scoring 27 points in the first half of the football game, they still can't find a way to win it. And they still find a way to get beat by 15 points. I mean, that just kind of goes to show everything you need to know about this team right now, where it's at and what needs to be done. And there's still four more games of this, and it, it, it's crazy. I, you know, it, it, you're right. You you're spot on everything. The Bears essentially had everything go right for them in the first half. You know, minus the rookie mistake that Justin Fields made um, on the pick six. They had everything go right for them in the first half. They still only had a six point lead. I mean, think about this. They had a special teams return for a touchdown, 97 yards. They had a, a essentially a trick play work to go what 54, 53 yards for a touchdown. They had another beautiful throw by Fields on third down on a slant where they actually got to use their speed that we've heard all offseason go for 47 yards and a touchdown. And then they had, you know, a couple of field goals. It's, it's crazy to think that they were outscored 24 to three in that, in that second half. And the three was what you were talking about, kicking a field goal late in the game. Yeah. They got the onside kick, but the odds going into that onside kick were not very good. I, it's just, it's crazy, man. And, and, you know, to kind of build on my point earlier, Matt LaFleur saw something. He saw that the Bears had Xavier Crawford out there. He saw that the Bears had, you know, DeAndre Houston Carson out there, Artie Burns, guys who aren't very good in coverage. And he saw he knew he had a mismatch. Devontae Adams wasn't doing much against um, Jalen Johnson in that first half. If you look, a lot of his receptions were on other defensive backs. When... Jalen Johnson was on him. Johnson did a, a fantastic job until that late touchdown, which was just a, a fantastic move um, in the red zone to get on that slant, fake the outside, um, and completely fool Johnson. You know, you just tip your hat to Devonta Adams. What Matt LaFleur did was they kind of moved Adams into the slot a little bit, got those mismatches, and what happens? Adams took off. Green Bay's entire offense changed. What? There's a play, I believe it's either the first or, first or third drive of the second half for Green Bay. They put Adams in motion. He comes across from the left to the right. No one picks him up. He's wide open for, you know, 12-yard gain. That's the type of stuff that Matt LaFleur is doing that Matt Nagy wishes he could do. And then on Monday, Matt Nagy says he didn't see Green Bay do anything different with Devontae Adams when Jalen Johnson clearly said, yes, he was in the slot. He was in the slot more. And Johnson is not, you know, for the leaps he's taken here in the second year, I think he's going to continue to get better. 
playing on the outside and playing on the slot and be able to do both is a very difficult thing. There's not many defensive backs that can do that. There are probably, you can count on one hand how many defensive backs can truly shadow the game's top receivers and move, you know, in the slot, move to the outside of the boundary. Not many of them can do it. Jalen Johnson, for as good as he is, can't do that right now. He admitted it. He needs to add that aspect to his game. So I don't know what Matt Nagy was talking about that he didn't really see many adjustments. And that's clear today, you know, to me that that's a head coach that really is in over his head, doesn't really know what's going on, especially in the in-game stuff. You got to make those adjustments. And honestly, Aaron, I was getting vibes. I know the Bears weren't up as much. That first game of the Matt Nagy era in 2018, we should have seen it coming. What happened in that second half? Aaron Rodgers returned. He was essentially on one leg. The Packers made adjustments. They brought in max protection. They moved their guys around. Their defense, you know, disguised coverages. Mike Pettin did a fantastic job against Mitchell Trubisky. And that just kind of reminded me of this game here where Matt Nagy was clueless. He could not make those adjustments. And back then it was, um, you know, still Mike McCarthy, but Green Bay was making those adjustments. And it's just, it's crazy because, there's so many things that went right for the Bears. You know, Green Bay lost Billy Turner on the offensive line, and the Bears still couldn't take advantage of it. it it's frustrating, man, and, I, you know, I think you agree with me. This is all coming to an end, um, so there won't be these frustrations much longer. But, goodness, that, that last game was just everything you needed to know about the Matt Nagy era. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, well, and you bring up another good point that, you know, has been highlighted multiple times and that continues to be a massive sore spot. And that's a fact that the bears lack adjustments coming out of the half. And I mean, it's just, it's so blatantly obvious. And I kind of wondered like, you know, is it just in my head what's going on? But it's interesting because uh, you know, uh, a guy, he used to go by buck his stats on Twitter. And now he goes by his actual name, which is Quentin Crisco. I think is how you say it. I could be completely wrong on that. Um, he, he writes for, uh, on tap sports, but he actually, he, he's really good with all, like all the number stuff and charts and all that stuff. It's great because he can, you know, he posts stuff and it's like, Oh, cool. This is the, you know, I can actually understand this, but he did a quarter by quarter breakdown of 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2021 in terms of just, you know, each, each quarter throughout the year, you know, what do they average for yards, yards per pass, uh, first downs, touchdowns, you know, so on and so forth, right? And you look at it, and one, the Bears are literally below average 
in every single quarter by quite a bit. Right. Um, you know, so you have that going for you, but I think the thing that really stood out to me was you look at the third and the fourth quarter, um, in 2019, the third quarter was kind of the outlier, but the overall average yards per quarter in the third, or, you know, per the third quarter was right around about like 73, 74. Um, their touchdowns went down drastically. Um, you know, and then you look at the fourth quarter and it's basically the same thing. I mean, they're, they were averaging well under, uh, you know, 80 yards in the fourth quarter over the last four years. Um, they're averaging well under really pretty much about a half a half a touchdown. And you start looking at these numbers and it's like, okay. And I think that just speaks to, you know, and that it's crazy because I mean, in 2020, especially, I mean, they had some of those crazy comebacks, but yeah, like you pointed out, you look at 2018, you know, in that, in that game against the Packers, the same thing against the Miami Dolphins coming out of the bye. And that's another thing. I mean, Matt Nagy's 0-4 coming out of buys and has just looked absolutely terrible. I mean, I think his, his overall numbers when he has more than seven days to prepare for a game, his, I think he's won like three out of 19 games or something crazy like that. I mean, it just kind of goes to show you that the lack of adjustments are not there. And we saw that again, um, you know, on Sunday where, you know, in the first quarter and a half, you know, close to two quarters, you know, you saw, uh, you know, especially offensively for the Packers, they were kind of struggling to get things going right out of the gate. And I think a big part of that was, Devontae Adams was lining up on the outside. Um, they weren't scheming away from uh, Robert Quinn. They weren't scheming away from Roquan Smith. They weren't scheming away from Jalen Johnson. I mean, Jalen Johnson had given up one catch for, I think it was like 12 yards in the first half of the game going against Devontae Adams. I mean, that's just crazy. And then all of a sudden you started seeing towards the end of the second quarter. And then obviously all the way through the second half, Devontae Adams started lining up in the slot more. They started getting him out, moving him around more. And all of a sudden, Jalen Johnson wasn't tailing him around. All of a sudden, you know, Aaron Rodgers was sacked two times within the first three drives. And Robert Quinn was involved with both of those. All of a sudden, they started doing more quick passes, getting the ball out of his hands, you know, featuring the run, doing the different adjustments. Again, defensively, you can go back and you can look. The Bears scored 27 points. 20 of those were offensive points. The only, you know, obviously the, the seven came from the Jakeem Grant uh, pump return. But all of a sudden, you know, things just completely shut down and the Bears just couldn't move the ball. They, Justin Fields was like one for five in the third quarter of the game. And that's something that we've consistently seen. That's a thing is like you can go back and you can look. They've had different offensive coordinators. They've now had three different defensive coordinators in the Matt Nagy era. They've had multiple position coaches in the Matt Nagy era. But yet the trends still say the same throughout. And I think that's just a direct reflection of Matt Nagy as a head coach. And what I find even more interesting is you listen to a guy like Jalen Johnson talk on Sunday night. And basically there were subtle jabs, at least in my opinion, thrown towards Matt Nagy and the coaching staff of basically saying, yeah, but you know, it must be nice to, to have a coach that sees things and adjusts and, and makes things work. And then, you know, Matt Nagy basically came out on, on, you know, Monday and basically, you know, without actually using facts, tried to discredit what Jalen Johnson was saying the night before. And again, I'm not saying that there's some internal strife. It is what it is. I mean, we see it every single week, you know, players have a different perspective than coaches and vice versa, that it is what it is. But the reality of it is, is what Jalen Johnson said was true. It's factually based. It's true information. What his takes are actually 
you know, factually correct versus what Matt Nagy's saying, where it just doesn't make any sense. It's like he's not seeing the same game. We talk about the decision making in game and the fact that it takes him a day to reflect and going back through the tape to realize that he made the wrong decision, yet he realizes he made the wrong decision. And what does he do the next time he gets in those type of situations? He makes the wrong decision again. So it's just a continual cycle of the same thing over and over, which is, you know, it just kind of is what it is because the bears have been in a perpetual cycle of the same thing over and over for multiple decades now, where you, you see the teardown, you see the rebuild, you see it built back up, you see some sort of success and then things go down. And then it's just the same process over and over. But again, it's, it's just like you pointed out, man, there's still four games left. I guess the only good news, you know, if you're even still hoping they win at this point, uh, or even care at this point, I guess, is that, you know, their next four games are all, I think you can make an argument that all four of them are at least winnable. I mean, they have Minnesota for two games. They have a putrid Giants team, and they also have a Seattle team who's playing a little bit better, but it's still not a very good football team. They're nowhere near what they were the last few years. So, I mean, all four of those games are winnable. I did a poll on Twitter just because I was curious what people thought over the, you know, the last four games of the season. They have two game, two home games, two road games. Uh, most people think they're going to finish right around five or six wins, which would be basically another win or two. I think that's pretty safe. I think they'll end up finishing. What would that be? Six and 11. Um, so hopefully we at least see some competitive football. And I think the good news is for a guy like Justin Fields is uh, he's not going to be playing very good defenses the rest of the way out. So I guess that's the other plus, but in terms of everything else, man, it's just, I, man, we, we still have four games. We still have an entire month's worth of football before we even get to see what Black Monday holds and then what who they're going to hire and, you know, how deep everything runs. And it's just, man, it just I, – I think I speak for a lot of people, including you, and I just say I'm over it, man. And if I just tap out these last four games and just magically fast forward to the offseason. Well, we have four games because, you know, rightfully so, you and I and the rest of the Bears fans and other reporters – assume the bears aren't going to fire Matt Nagy until the end of the season. Now that could change. I mean, these, the, the two games at the end of the year could very well be very much intriguing. I mean, I, I do think there are some storylines that are intriguing here in the final four games, but if the bears are smart and wise, man, they take advantage of this new rule right now. How many teams need a new head coach in the NFL? It, it's essentially the Las Vegas Raiders. It's going to be the Chicago bears. There's a couple other teams that, you know, could move on. Um, you don't know what's going to happen with Urban Meyer. That's kind of getting um, a weird situation there in Jacksonville. If the Vikings completely implode here, Mike Zimmer could be on the hot seat. Um, you know, you never know. Detroit's kind of a wild card as well. Um, and even the New York Giants. But these final four games, the Bears need to take advantage of that rule. You got to move on from that, Nick. You have to get a head start on interviewing coaching candidates. The problem with that, though, is they're going to wait to fire. If they move on from Ryan Pace, they're going to wait to fire Ryan Pace. Because if you do interview these candidates, I don't think George and Ted are going to want to interview them themselves fully. They're going to want a GM. So all signs do point towards the Bears kind of waiting until the Black Monday and then waiting into the offseason to interview coaches and, and find their guys. Cause I think we're heading for a complete retooling. I think Ryan Pace won't be here. I don't think Matt Nagy will be here either. Um, I just kind of wish they would, you know, take advantage of the rule, start getting some candidates, some early homework on them 
and kind of let it all play out from there. The, the thing is, another thing I want to talk about here, Aaron, um, before we kind of get into our interview and then move on to the Vikings, there was some good from Sunday that we could kind of take away. And I think the good is going to be these intriguing storylines moving forward. You know, if you do watch his last four games, you kind of want to pay attention to a lot of these things. Now, one that really stood out to me was Justin Fields. He made the rookie mistake. He, he, he threw the ball, was picked off by Rasul Douglas. And if you're watching that replay, Fields is staring down Darnell Moody the entire time. Douglas makes a veteran play, picks it off, takes it all the way back. Okay. What I noticed right away was very next drive, Justin Fields still very confident. He's not out there moping around. Oh crap. I made a big mistake. We're still in this game. It's our first time we're trailing, you know, 14, 10. Um, he came back and made a couple strong throws. And the one he made to Demir bird was right on the money, tight window. Um, he also had some bad throws throughout the game. He also put some right in the money. And, and I don't think his offensive line did him any favors. I don't think the play calling Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor did him any favors, but the way he responded to that interception was something that stood out to me. The other thing is, you know, Tim and Jenkins played bad. He's a rookie. He, he's a guy that had virtually no experience at all at the NFL level. He had two special team snaps on extra points. He had snaps and reps in practice. Other than that, he's been sitting and watching behind Jason, uh, Jason Peters because he missed all of training camp. He missed all, the, uh, all of um, preseason. He missed the first, what, you know, 12 games of the regular season. Getting that experience, getting those reps, you can live with it. The Bears aren't going to the playoffs. If Tevin Jenkins gets beat by a really good pass rusher, so be it. He's going to learn from that. Um, the thing for me in my eyes to kind of watch there is, do they switch Jenkins and Borum? Do they move Borum to the left side? Do they move Jenkins to the right side? Because coming out of that draft, I mean, I think a lot of people said it, you know, Jenkins looks more like a right tackle in the NFL level and Borum kind of projects well left tackle. The problem is Larry Borum has been pretty damn good at right tackle. So if you're going to make the move, I think you do it in these last four games and let Borum switch over to the left tackle and see what he's got. It, nothing hurts in these last four games. If Borum's not good over there at left tackle, you just move him right back. The other thing um, that I thought that we really saw that was good that we can kind of take away these next four games as well is the speed factor. We finally saw the speed that the bears talked about all off season. They brought in Marquise Goodwin, although he didn't play, they brought in Jakeem Grant, they brought in um, Demir Bird, And we finally saw how speed in their offense can work with Darnell Mooney being the only receiver under contract. Allen Robinson's not coming back. I think they're going to try to retain Jakeem Grant, which would be smart. And that also to me signals the end of Tariq Cohen but not only him, but maybe they try to bring him back, either Marquise Goodwin or Demir Bird, to see what they got next year because they're going to need some bodies. With that, was there any good, you know, I'm sorry this took up a lot of time me explaining all this, but was there any good that you saw on Sunday night? And what can we look forward to here in these final four games of the season? Not absolutely do it. Well, I think, you know, yeah, there's there's always going to be some good. I mean, by and large, I think Justin Fields had a pretty good, pretty bad game. But at the same time, I mean, he still showed those flashes. I mean, yeah, Tevin Jenkins was pretty damn bad. But again, what did you, ex you know, what could anybody expect? I mean, the dude didn't have a training camp. He didn't really have an offseason. He, you know, he has back surgery. He doesn't do anything for, you know, two plus months. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, he goes from having the practice window to getting activated to all of a sudden he's right out there in the mix playing left tackle, which is the hardest position on the offensive line to play against a really good football team, you know? And then obviously I think Jakeem Grant's another guy where I think at this point, if they can get him under contract, and again, obviously a lot of that's going to depend on who the new general manager is and all that um, and what their plan is. But I think if you're able to get him under contract for a reasonable amount of money, you know, four or $5 million a year to have him be the punt returner and, uh, you know, have him, you know, be more involved with the offense. I think he's absolutely a good weapon. I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of the, and that's kind of the thing we've been talking about this all year. The young guys are the focus right now, right? Jalen Johnson had a fantastic game. Some people are going to focus on that touchdown that he gave up to the, to Vontae Adams at the end of the game. And that's fine. I mean, if that's, if that's how you want to take it, then that's cool. The fact is, is Devonte Adams was two of six, uh, against Jalen Johnson. And he, I think Jalen Johnson gave, it was it like 17 or 18 yards? I mean, dude, Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the league. He's a fantastic route runner. It happens. It happens to the best of defensive backs. What happened to Jalen Johnson on that touchdown? Um, Eddie Jackson, I think has actually had a, a really nice rebound over the last few weeks. I mean, maybe he's not getting the turnovers that he did before, but I think he's playing, you know, pretty good football. Roquan Smith, obviously, um, you know, there, there are some good pieces on this team. Team. The Bears have a lot more of a core than they did again in 2014, going into 2015 when they went in the midst of the rebuild. So there's still there's still some positives to take away. Um, and really, I mean, I think the big thing moving forward is I, I would just like to see, and I know there's no incentive for this coaching staff because they're all going to be gone. But I would like to see some of these young guys play. Give Caleb Johnson a look at inside linebacker. Alec Ogletree's bad, man. I mean, there's a, I don't really know how else to put it. Like, I give him, you know, give give a guy like Caleb Johnson, a younger guy, a better look. Give uh, Kendall Vildor another shot. I know he made a stupid penalty on the, you know, on the uh, that one of the special teams play where the, you know, the the botched, uh, you know, the 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 botched uh, fair catch or whatever it was. That's fine. You know, at this point in time, Artie Burns doesn't give you anything more than Vildor's gives you, and Artie Burns isn't going to be a part of the future. Those are the kind of things that I want to see. Even if they need to flip the tackles, you know, assuming Jason Peters is out for a while, um, if you need to flip the tackles, flip the tackles, get Tevin Jenkins some playing time. Like, this is the time to do this kind of stuff. Call Daz Newsom up from the practice squad. Call Thomas Graham Jr. up from the practice squad. Let him start in the, you know, let him start in the nickel. You know, this is the time to get some sort of evaluation because the thing about it is these guys don't need to be starting caliber players. Like some of these names that his name, they don't need to be starting caliber players. They just need to be depth pieces that can develop and that can grow into role players. I mean, if you go back and you look at how good the Bears were in 2018, a lot of that was because they allowed guys to be able to develop into those kind of roles. I mean, Adrian Amos was a perfect example where they, they went out and signed and drafted a bunch of safeties trying to replace him. He found his way back in the lineup and he became a big piece in 2018. So you just have to kind of try to figure things out. I mean, the same thing with Roy Robertson Harris, there's been multiple names of, you know, of guys over the years, whether undrafted free agents, young guys in general, street free agents, you know, just guys that could have a future being cheap pieces on the team that have been allowed to develop in lost years. And this is kind of one of those years. So that would be what I would be looking for over these next four weeks. Just get the young guys some playing time, try to figure out some of your depth pieces and go from there. Yeah, we're on the same page with that. I think there is value in finding what these young guys have especially you know with someone like Thomas Graham or with someone like Charles Snowden or 
um, Daz Newsome, see what they got. See, it doesn't hurt. You're not going to the playoffs. I mean, it, it's just, it makes no sense to me not to give them uh, a chance. Aaron, let's kind of switch it over to our Vikings talk now. And uh, let's get into our interview with Eric Thompson. Um, he's, a, he's a fantastic writer for the Daily Norseman. Great insight on the Minnesota Vikings as they are right there in the playoff race, coming off a big win against Pittsburgh Steelers. What can we expect from them? You know, the, the matchup everyone's going to be watching is, is Justin Jefferson and Jalen Johnson. We got his thoughts on the game and how the Vikings are doing. We'll be right back after that to kind of break down our thoughts on the game, give our predictions, and wrap up the show. Enjoy the interview. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. And now joining me here on the Bear Report podcast is Eric Thompson, the Daily Nordsman. He does a great job covering the Minnesota Vikings for the website. He's here to share some insight on the team ahead of Monday night's showdown with the Chicago Bears. Eric, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so Monday night, um, you know, the nation gets the Chicago Bears on primetime, unfortunately for them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Minnesota's kind of an interesting team to me, and you know, they had that kind of big and emotional win over Pittsburgh after almost blowing the lead. What's kind of the vibe around the Vikings going into this game? Well, it's uh, buckle up, basically. <laughs> I think that's been the main thing. I mean, the the one uh, non-one-score game was week three, the home win against Seattle, uh, the 30-17 to 17 win. Every single game, all 12 of the others have been have finished within one score. And several of them, in, including somehow improbably this last Thursday, ended on the, they were decided on the last play as well. It's just been an absolute roller coaster, both on and off the field for the Vikings. And I mean, it's outside of basically predicting every game is going to be a close game because the Vikings seem to be playing to almost the exact level of their competition, not up or down. It's just whatever, <laughs> whoever they happen to be playing, they're playing to that exact level. Um, it's, it's, there's just really unpredictable. I think there, there's a lot of talent on the team. They probably could have a lot better record, but if you look at a couple of the games that they've eked out, they could probably have a worse record as well. So it, they're right around that 500 mark. And that's kind of, kind of feels what they are as a team. They're, they're an imperfect team that can beat anyone, but they can also lose to anyone as you saw the, the week before against the lions. I guess you kind of answered it, but you know, looking at this team with all these close games, and you know, they, they played Dallas pretty tough. Um, you know, they beat Green Bay, who's the top seed in the, in the NFC. But they've also lost the Lions. They've also, you know, kind of let the Panthers hang in, in there. I think it was an overtime game. Um, what has kind of been that theme? Are they just, like you said, just playing down to their competition? Um, or is it just maybe they're just are what they are? And that is, like you said, a 500 team. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of it. You know, I think the Mike Zimmer has earned a lot of the detractors this season. I think a lot of Vikings fans are just basically have come to the conclusion that it's probably the end for Zimmer just because unless they really go on a run and make the playoffs and maybe even have to win a game or two as well. But it's, it's been uh, just 
it's it's really hard to I mean even the players themselves after the game Delvin Cook was interviewed by Aaron Andrews and he basically goes yeah we have to figure this out why are we letting teams back in I think a big reason of it is that you know the I think the reason that Vikings fans are getting frustrated with uh, Zimmer and the coaching staff is that they just cannot put games away they've they've had at least a six point lead in every single game this year and they're still a, a game under 500 it's it's just it's perplexing and if I had an answer for him I, I would go, I think I'd go tell Mike Zimmer myself because I'm sure he, he, he and the, the rest of the team are looking for answers as well it's it's I think it's a lot of the the playing not to lose kind of thing and they're they just have it seems like too many holes to consistently put together a 60 minute game yeah, it seems like, you know, Zimmer is one of those guys where, you know, he'll have the talent. You just can't put it together um, or consistently win this year, though. They're, I mean, they're right there. They're they're I think they're the eighth seed right now or something like that in the playoffs right. just outside. Yep. Um, does making the playoffs save Zimmer or does he have to essentially make the playoffs and win a couple games? Well, I think at the very minimum, he has to make the postseason. I think I, d- I don't see the a way that Zimmer hangs around even if they finish quote unquote, well, I mean, like, again, I think they realistically probably have to win both of these upcoming games against the bears and probably get a split against the Packers and Rams, which is no easy task to, to get into the playoffs. I, I don't think they're going to get in an eight and nine. So I think nine and eight is going to be the bare minimum to get there. And if they don't do that, I just don't see how they, the Vikings can't make some, some large scale changes because we've seen this, um, for the last several years now, especially since Kirk Cousins arrived and who was supposed to be the quarterback who could maybe get the, the, the rest of the Vikings roster over the hump. And they just can't, it's, it seems like there's a gravitational pull towards 500 where they're just right around that edge where they're never bad enough to really tank and force a rebuild, but never really that great outside of that, uh, the 2017 run to really contend. And I, I think Vans more or less are just kind of sick of the, the, the status quo. And I, I think that it's probably wearing thin on Vikings ownership as well. Um, kind of a game question here, looking at Justin Jefferson, one of the best wide receivers in the league only year two, fantastic. And I'm kind of curious here because we saw what Matt LaFleur did last week. Um, Jalen Johnson was, right there with Devonte Adams, pretty much almost shut him down in the first half. Then they moved Adams into the slot. Will we see something kind of similar? Because I'm guessing Jalen Johnson is going to shadow um, Jefferson as long as he doesn't go in the slot. Has Jefferson been playing um, most of his snaps on the outside of the boundary? Has he been in the slot? Did they kind of move him around? Um, the Vikings have definitely moved him around uh, just about all over uh, this season. It's, it's actually been pretty incredible to watch. If uh, the... They actually in the Lions game, if you look at his next gen stats chart, it's just like a it looks like the entire field is painted with all the routes. And he he's just been having huge games. Uh just uh, even after uh the Adam Thielen went out and he's he was missing it, it seemed like maybe that it would be a little tougher for Justin Jefferson to get over, open, but they're definitely manufacturing touches. They're they're doing a lot of wide receiver screens, they're doing some end arounds. He's I think he even has uh four passes this season. Um but I mean, the majority of his snaps this season have come from the outside, but he's usually getting at least 12 to 15, 20, somewhere around there uh, snaps from the slot as well. So um, it, it'll be really interesting to see how the Bears counteract that because I'm doubting Thielen will be back with that high ankle sprain uh, on Monday night. 
and KJ Osborne has, has stepped up nicely. And I think Tyler Conklin, a tight end is another solid pass catcher. Uh, but I mean, Jefferson is definitely the guy to shut down because he he's the one that makes this offense tick. He and Delvin cook are definitely the catalysts and it'll be a really interesting chess match to see uh, how the, how the bears address that. Honestly, I would be shocked if, uh, if the Vikings didn't get him in the slot outside of Jalen Johnson, Chicago's secondary, you know, or especially defensive back has just been God awful. Right. I mean, <laughs> Artie Burns, Kendall Wilder, Xavier. I mean, this it's, it's crazy, but you know, kind of on the same point, Kirk cousins, man, um, on the outside, looking in top 10 numbers, looks like he's been really good. Not talked about a lot this year though. Is it just because the Vikings, maybe aren't, you know, over 500 or, you know, right there at near the top of the playoff race. What, what's kind of going on with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, this is statistically speaking, probably one of cousins best years of his career, if not maybe the best year, I think he's still, he had, he struggled quite a bit against Pittsburgh with a couple of bad interceptions that helped Pittsburgh get back into the game. But overall, I mean, the touchdown to interception ratio is still really good. I think he's still ranked third uh, for pro football focus grade His quarterback rating is still over a hundred. He, he definitely can, can make all the throws and, do just about everything you ask of an NFL quarterback, but yeah, it, it's the, it, the rap on him is as fairly or unfairly as it is. It's, it's that quarterback wins that because just like the Vikings have been since he arrived, it was the same thing in Washington. I think uh, if the Vikings win on a, he's within like a game or two of 500 for his career, he's been that way for basically most of it. It's, 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 it's really hard to quantify cousins. I think the there's just, you know, there's detractors, there's uh, people that will defend him uh, left and right. It just kind of depends on how you, how you look at it. And I think that's kind of the Vikings team as, as a whole this year, it, it's a Rorschach test. You can, you can blame the, the defense that, you know, speaking of poor secondaries, the Vikings secondary has, uh, hasn't been anything great this season, or you could look at some of the play calling, especially late in games that the Vikings haven't been able to execute, or you can look at cousins and, uh, he's missed a couple of big uh, important throws and uh, you can look back at that San Francisco game where he had four or five opportunities to make big plays and, and didn't come up with it. So again, it's, I think cousins overall, uh, if you look on the whole, it, he has been a, a definitely on the positive side of the ledger, but his detractors will still say it, um, they can point to a lot of times where he doesn't come up uh, big when it counts and until he sheds that and actually puts together some big wins. And I think that's going to have to involve big wins in the postseason. He's it's, it's always going to be uh, Vikings Twitter's favorite topic to debate. I think kind of in the same, um, you know, with the offense here, sticking with them, I noticed Minnesota doesn't allow a lot of sacks this year. Um, that offensive line looks like it's been playing really well. What's, what's going on with that? Because looking at Chicago, we got Robert Quinn, you know, 14 sacks. He's, he's chasing the franchise single season record. And then we have a young guy in Travis Gibson kind of flashed. What has Minnesota's offensive line done so well? What should we expect on Monday night? Well, I mean, it's, they haven't actively been terrible for a, a large portion of the year, which is a vast improvement over the last few years. I, they still struggle in the, uh, with, in pass blocking. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether Christian Darisaw, the rookie left tackle comes back. Uh, that will be a huge replacement. Um, Ole Udo has been playing there the last two games since Darisaw has been out. He started most of the year at, at right guard before then. He has been the sore spot no matter where he's lined up. Uh, he actually had a decent start to the season and then just kind of fell apart, especially in the in the pass blocking. Um, again, if you look at the, his just Udo's PFF grade, I think his pass blocking has been 40 or below the uh, 
basically the last six, seven weeks. So if Derisaw comes back, I, I feel a lot more confident. Um, and again, on the edge, they're, they're still pretty sound as long as, you know, they don't have, uh, I think they'll still have some problems with Quinn. Obviously he's given everyone problems, but if, uh, he lines up against Brian O'Neill, he's been one of the more reliable pass blocking tackles on either side of the line at, at right tackle. I think he's been really good. Um, uh, Mason Cole has been kind of the pl pleasant surprise. He was a, he started out as a, a backup. He played a bunch of center after Garrett Badbert. Garrett Bradbury missed a couple games and he's, he acquitted himself pretty well. Now he's uh, moved to that starting right guard spot. So if everyone's healthy and back, I, I feel okay with the, with the, the pass, the pass blocking run blocking has been, uh, hasn't been much of a problem at all. It, it's been a little spotty here and there. If you, but if you, the, the one thing that scares me the most is if uh, Akeem Hicks comes back, because that's the one weak spot that the Vikings have had for the past several years is as good as Bradbury can block the run, he always struggles against big, strong defensive tackles. And Hicks has absolutely handed him his lunch the few times they've played against each other. So if Hicks can return, I'm much more worried because that's the quickest way to short circuit the, the Vikings offense is getting quick pressure up the middle on Cousins. If you, if you come around the edge, they can kind of counteract that with play action and cut bootleg rollouts. And Cousins is a little better at adjusting if he can, you know, it, get it from the edge but if it's up the middle that's that it might be a long day for the vikings offense uh, flipping over the defense you said the secondary struggled a bit is this a defense that you know justin fields can kind of get into a groove with uh we've seen them you know in prime time against the steelers in the second half look pretty good and then you know whether it was matt Nagy, the play calling or whatever was going on <laughs> he's kind of struggled a little bit as well what do you kind of expect from the rookie going up against minnesota secondary yeah it'll be really interesting i think uh it, 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 there's obviously flashes of, of fields that that make I'm sure make Bears fans really excited. He had, the consistency isn't quite there yet, but um, he, he, I don't think he's been in the the most ideal position to to thrive either with the, the Bears offensive line struggles and the kind of influx of who's calling plays and everything there. But uh, the, I, I think one word of advice, if I was uh, uh, giving advice to Fields, would be look for number 21, Bashad Breland, and throw at his guy because that seems to be what a lot of uh, opposing quarterbacks are doing and it's a lot of uh, to a lot of success Breland has made a couple big plays he has a couple of interceptions but man he uh more often than not he is just just that has been a free agent acquisition that uh has not really worked out for the Vikings and Patrick Peterson has been solid on the other side I thought he had his struggles as well against the Steelers on Thursday maybe just working his way back after missing a couple games himself uh on the COVID list so it'll be interesting to see exactly you know, who lines up against Allen Robinson, but Peterson's been fine. Um, Harrison Smith is still great on the back end uh, safety. He's, he is one of the toughest guys to read in the NFL still with the pre-snap because he can go up on the line of scrimmage and blitz. He can drop all the way back. And it, that might be a, a really interesting uh, dynamic of the game just to see how fields can, can read what the Mike Zimmer defense is doing, especially on third down, because as much as the, Vikings defense has struggled this year. They're still pretty good when uh, getting off the field when they can fo force third and basically anything over five. They're they're doing a really good job there still and still holding up pretty decent in the red zone. So it'll, I think the the game on Monday will really come down to who which team can be more efficient and keep the chains moving. And my final question before I let you go, it's kind of a two parter here. Um, first, give me your prediction on the game and maybe it's an X factor, and then second. Kind of looking ahead, no matter who the coach is, anything like that, 
What is probably the biggest need for Minnesota in, in the first round of the draft? Would, would they potentially go after another quarterback if someone fell? I know they drafted Kellen Mond. Uh, would they look defense, offense? Uh, maybe touch on that a little bit. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll address the, the draft part first. I th- yep. I'd be very surprised just with the, with the quarterbacks um, that are – this does not seem like the greatest quarterback class. <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very good quarterback class. I'm sure by the time that April and May roll around that there will be several teams that talk themselves into taking quarterbacks in the top half of the first round but um it's it's so hard to to move off of cousins contract i think it's like a 45 million dollar cap hit next year so i would actually think that the vikings probably restructure that maybe add an extra year to the deal just to make that cap number a little more tolerable and kellen mond he's uh, i mean he's basically kind of an unknown he he started off pretty slow because he had some COVID concerns and he's basically got the Jordan love treatment that uh, the Packers gave love last year was basically make him inactive every game. And hopefully you, you learn behind the starter. So that's, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they went with a quarterback, especially with so many one year deals that they currently have on their defense. They're, the secondary is going to be pretty thin. And uh, even if Mike Zimmer isn't around next year, if uh, the, I think cornerback is going to be a need. So I, I would expect them to probably go on, on that side of the ball. And as far as the prediction, Oh boy, it's um, we, we know all too well as Vikings fans that uh, soldier field can be a house of horrors. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what either team's record is. Um, I would not be surprised by anything in this game as far as the score goes i could see a 10 to 7 rock fight or i could see a a, a, a score like the packers and bears had uh, this past sunday night so i again i think the x factor is going to be that interior pressure if the if the vikings can allow cousins to make his reads and uh, execute and find jefferson and manufacture touches for he and cook and keep that run game going like they like they had a lot of success with uh, against the steelers i think the vikings have a really good chance to win but we uh, we have seen all too often that that turnovers can seem to come at the, uh, the worst times at, at Soldier Field. It uh, it'll be really interesting because I I mean again this it feels like the fifth or sixth time that Zimmer is probably coaching for his job, but this one might actually mean it. You know I don't expect any move to be made by the end of the season. But um, so that long story short, I I've, I'll pick the Vikings to to win for now. Obviously, one score game. I can't go anything else. And actually, I think these teams are matched up evenly enough where it probably will be a one score game. I'll say uh, somewhere around the lines of like 24, 22 Vikings. Awesome stuff, Eric. Um, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Uh, you can follow me at Eric underscore J underscore Thompson. It's a casualty of having a very common name. I joined in <laughs> 2009, but I still had to throw in the underscores. But yeah, that's uh, I'm doing a lot of, you know, you could, uh, even for opposing fans, I'm, I'm a pretty entertaining follow, especially when the Vikings are doing bad. I'm, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty fun. And uh, where can everyone read your work at? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At dailynorseman.com, uh, it's, I'll usually try to get up at least a Q&A with uh, the opposing team, uh, someone, you know, a writer from the opposing team, uh, and some news and notes and everything. And we have a bunch of writers at the site to, to keep you up to date with all things Vikings there. 
Awesome. Good stuff, man. Thank you for so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Welcome back, Bears fans. Once again, that was Eric Thompson, the Daily Norseman, a good writer over there, covers the Vikings well, breaks everything down. Um, and it should be a fun matchup here on Monday Night Football. Second straight primetime game for the Bears. I don't know why the uh, NFL would want to uh, put that on the national audience, but yeah, who knows? Uh, anyway, Aaron, the Vikings come into this game. They're right in the mix of that playoff race. Chicago can, you know, maybe play spoiler here on Monday night football, but you know, this is a pretty good Vikings team and Kirk Cousins is kind of playing well um, to date. However, you know, they also could be in a situation where if they implode and everything goes wrong, Mike Zimmer could be on the hot seat. What have you seen from the Vikings in the limited time? Maybe that you've watched them so far this year. Well, I mean, dude, the, the Vikings are a really weird team. Like, on paper, the Vikings are a hell of a lot better team than the Bears are, at least in my opinion. I thought that going into the season, I've seen nothing to change that. But they're so inconsistent on a week-to-week basis, man. The same team that will take teams down to the wire. I mean, they've had, what, one game this year where they haven't, they haven't led in the game. Uh, you know, they'll take teams down, really good teams down to the wire. They'll beat good teams. And then they'll come out and they'll lose to a team like the Detroit Lions. I mean, really, Kirk Cousins is having a phenomenal year for the most part. Um, you know, obviously, the big question for him is always how is he going to perform against good teams in primetime spots? Uh, but, you know, I think it kind of comes down to the same thing we've seen from them over the last few years. And I, I think it comes down to a coaching issue where they just – I don't know what it is with the Vikings, man. Like, they, they just cannot keep things together. They cannot play a full, you know, four quarters worth of football. And any time they get into an opportunity to be able to actually, you know, win a game or, you know, do something meaningful, it all the bottom falls out of it. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things like normally, you know, you get in a rivalry game and you're like, yeah, you got to throw everything out, the records, all that stuff. I think that this absolutely pertains to the Bears and the Vikings. We've seen it. Time and time again, the Bears have had the Vikings number for the most part over the last few years, especially during the Matt Nagy era. But even going back before that, I mean, the last one of the last Monday night football games they were on with John Fox as their head coach, the Bears were, I want to say they were like 10 or more point underdogs and they came out and they absolutely dominated the Vikings. And that's the thing. The Bears have had the Vikings number as of late, regardless of what the records are. So Two, you know, two games of what separates these two teams right now in the, in the standings. Uh, you know, I, I think one way or another, I think we're going to see some sort of split uh, between the two. But really, the Bears have been a lot better against the Vikings um, in a national spotlight, whether it's Sunday night football or Monday night football, historically speaking. So it's going to be an interesting game because, again, I think the Vikings are a lot better team. But this is kind of one of those, you just kind of have to throw everything else out the window and watch the game because you just don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, and, you know, following that win against the Steelers, that was a big one for the Vikings on Thursday night football. They're coming into this game. Right now, they're the eighth seed. They're six and seven. Uh, they're right behind Washington, who is also six and seven. The, the, the football team does have the, uh, the tiebreaker on them right now. But you're, you're looking and you got San Francisco seven and six. You, you got the Rams right there at nine and four. That's going to be kind of tough for the Vikings to catch in the five seed. But you're looking for Minnesota. You got the six and seven seed, the wild card. Uh, you're right there with literally there's one, two, three, four, five teams, including the Vikings at six and seven. And they're, I mean, they have a chance. A win puts the pressure on, on Washington, puts the pressure on Philadelphia, Atlanta, in New Orleans and Minnesota could very well 
be in a playoff spot with a win, depending on what happens, you know, that Sunday before they kind of have the luxury of playing on Monday night. So they, they could kind of see the results from the weekend going into their matchup. And for the bears, you know, it's, it's, it's a spoiler time. You, you kind of want to get another division win. Matt Nagy's fared well against the Vikings in his career. They did have the loss last season on Monday night football, the kind of disaster where Nick Foles got hurt at the end. Uh, the Bears really couldn't score. But other than that, I mean, he's been pretty damn good against Minnesota in his career, along with Detroit. It's just been Green Bay. It's kind of been his, his bugaboo. But also at the same time, we get to see how Justin Fields goes against a defense that he should be able to take advantage of. The, Minnesota's not a great defense right now. They are vulnerable. We saw that on Thursday night where, you know, they played really well that first half, but then all of a sudden something clicked for Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger, you know, look like the 2006 2005 Ben Roethlisberger where you know he was on the money that the the Steelers were able to pass the ball all over the the Vikings at the end and, and really should have got a late touchdown if it wasn't for a good play in the secondary so I'll, I'll be looking for Justin Fields and, and his progression as well I guess you know for our predictions I'll go with my x factor um, I'll, I'll kind of go first my x factor is going to be Justin Fields can he bounce back can he have a good game against a division rival in prime time, a defense that barring injury, he'll see again at the end of the season. And can he just play well? Can he get into a rhythm? Can we, can he put together what we saw for him in Pittsburgh that second half? Can he put together fully for a full game? Can he find Darnell Mooney? Can he find Allen Robinson? Can he hit his speed receivers? I don't know if the bears are going to win this game. I'm honestly going to predict or, you know, predict them to lose I think it'll be close though. I think we're going to be kind of in for one of those like 24, 23, you know, 23, 20 type games. I'll stick with Minnesota 24, Chicago 23. I think it's something will happen at the end. Vikings will maybe get a, a field goal to win the game, but I think Justin Fields is going to play well and he is my X factor. Yeah. It's, it's going to be an interesting game again, man. You just kind of got to throw everything else out the window and, and watch the game and see what happens. Uh, my X factor is going to be, uh, the Bears offensive line versus the, um, the, the the Vikings defensive line. The Vikings lead the league in sacks and the Bears offensive line is in dysfunction yet again. Surprise, surprise, right? I, I You know, and it kind of feeds in a little bit to what you're saying. I mean, Justin Fields is going to have a good game, but Justin Fields has also got to be able to maneuver around and be able to make throws. And when we've seen him at his best is when he's got, you know, had good protection. And, you know, in that Packers game, he did not. And some of the other games like the Browns game, he did not either. And I think that really what this is going to come down to is the Vikings have a really good offense. They usually always do. They have a, you know, a good running game, um, you know, with Dalvin cook, they have, you know, a good passing game. Uh, Kirk cousins having a really good year. They got just Jefferson. It'll be interesting to see if Adam Thielen comes back. I would assume so, especially with the long layover from last Thursday to uh, Monday night game. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just going to, I think that that's what it's going to come down to because like almost every single game for the bears, the bears defense is not good enough to, you know, have the bears hang 14 or 17 points offensively and win the game. I mean, the bears offense is going to have to pull their own weight and they're probably gonna have to be the better of the two units. So that'll be my X factor. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the bears. I'm going to go 27, 24. Um, I don't know why it seems like the bears usually win at home against the Vikings and they usually beat the Vikings on prime time, especially on Monday night football. So 
I really have no basis other than that. Um, I could see it again, could kind of see it going either way because you know, whatever it is, what it is at this point, the Vikings sure have a lot more to play for than the bears do. Um, and, and I honestly wouldn't mind seeing the bears be able to knock them out of playoff contention over the next few weeks with this loss. Well, it took 14 weeks, but I think we've actually finally picked different. <laughs> I mean, there might've been one more time um, this season that we've had a different pick in the game, but yeah, you know, I hope you're right. I hope the bears do win. I hope Justin Fields looks good. I don't know. Nothing that they've shown me over the past couple of weeks has shown that, that this team, you know, is good or it, it can pull off some wins here, some close games like this, but Aaron, thanks again for joining me, man. Uh, where can everyone follow you on Twitter at? Yep, you can find me at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can read my work on thebearreport.com. And you can follow the Bear Report on Twitter at just Bear Report. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson. Please rate, review, subscribe on all major podcasting platforms. Thanks again to Eric Thompson for joining us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode breaking down Monday Night Football and looking forward to Chicago's next opponent, which will be Seattle the day after Christmas. And hopefully we'll have some more coaching news, some more news on this team for the off season. But until then, everyone, please stay safe and enjoy the holidays. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.